Hare Krishna and welcome to another episode of this uh, series on uh, GBC history. The series is entitled All You Always Wanted to Know About the GBC But Were Hesitant to Ask. And uh, today we have episode five entitled My Memories as a GBC. And we have uh, a very special guest for you tonight. Is Grace Hari Sori Now, is uh, mostly famous as Srila uh, Prabhupada's personal servant, which he did for uh, more than one year continuously, and about which he wrote a, a number of books entitled Transcendental Diary. But, of course, he has also been serving Srila Prabhupada for the last uh, half a century in many, many other important ways. And uh, one of these ways, he has been serving as GBC, as member of the Governing Body Commission, the highest uh, ecclesiastical and administrative authority of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So we'll have uh, him answering some questions, especially about the, the period that he served as GBC. Thank you very much, Arisori Prabhu, for joining us in this series. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, I'll start with just, we'll go back a little bit before I became a GBC. Please. Um, at the end of 1975, late uh, November, somehow or another I got the good fortune of being asked to give Prabhupada his massages for a few days whilst he was in New Delhi. Then in early December, uh, I asked Prabhupada if I could stay on his party. I, I was originally only supposed to be just a few days doing the massage, but um, Prabhupada's regular servants, for some reason or another, or different reasons, were um, scattered. Uh, for instance, Upendra Prabhu, uh, he had come to Brindaban with Prabhupada in 1975, uh, but he was going out to preach in Fiji. And similarly, uh, several other devotees like Nanda Kumar Prabhu, Nitai Das, who had all served Prabhupada personally in the past, they weren't available. So uh, I happened to be in Delhi on the day that Prabhupada arrived in late November 75. And the next morning I was asked if I was uh, able to give Prabhupada his massage. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I was asked actually by Harry Cash. Uh, he asked me, have you ever done massage? So I said, no. <laughs> so I said, well, Upendra's leaving tomorrow. So Prabhupada needs somebody to massage him for the next four days whilst he's here in Delhi. So you're it. And that was it. I was sent up to the roof of the building that we were staying in at Todamal Lane, Bengali Markets uh, in New Delhi. Uh, I did that service for four days, just the noon 
uh, massage with oil. And then there was an evening massage that at that point I had no idea was taking place, but it was Prabhupada's, part of Prabhupada's routine to um, take a glass of hot milk at about 9.30, and then he would go and rest uh, in his bedroom, and the servant would follow him in and give him a massage, just a dry massage with no oils. And that could last any time from 10 minutes to two hours, as I was to discover. Uh, anyway, we 1st of uh, December, we went to Kurukshetra for a day. So I got a chance to travel with Prabhupada. When we came back on the 2nd of December, uh, we went, Prabhupada immediately went to Brindaban for about 12 days. So when we got to Brindaban, when we got to Brindaban, actually, uh, Harry Kesh had arranged for a French devotee. His name was Pratuputra Das. Uh, he was a friend of mine also because he was in the uh, Brindaban temple at that time. Uh, he had been asked uh, by Harry Kesh to take over doing the massage. Uh, and uh, I was either, well, I was presumably going to return to my old service. Uh, except that Gopal Krishna Maharaj decided that I should be the new temple president for Calcutta, <laughs> which to me was bordering on the absurds because I, I'd only been in India about three months. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, but anyway, that was his idea. So around about the 9th or 10th of December, by this time i'd gotten very attached of course naturally to doing that personal service uh, in the beginning the first three four days i just took it as a you know highly uh, fortunate uh, occurrence to, to massage Prabhupada just for a few days even but uh, once i got and i would have been happy you know if i changed over uh, and prithuputra had taken over uh, but uh, as it turned out, Prabhupada decided that he liked my massage. And so he told Harry Cash not to change the servant. So I was told, get your bags and move in. So <laughs> December the 2nd, I uh, got my luggage, moved into the servant's quarters in Prabhupada's rooms there. And then after a few days, I uh, naturally enough got very uh, uh, attached to uh, doing the all the personal servants' duties. Uh, and um, so one day I asked Srila Prabhupada, uh, I actually discussed it with Harry Cash and uh, who else was there? Uh, Hansa Dutra had just come in uh, for the month of December as Prabhupada's GBC, visiting GBC. So I discussed the situation with them and they both said, go and talk to Prabhupada directly. And I didn't naturally want to do that, not because I didn't want the service, but because I didn't want to disturb Srila Prabhupada. He's running a worldwide movement. I didn't want to disturb him with you know, my own, what I saw as my own petty uh, attachments uh, but they explained, no, you're directly dealing with Srila Prabhupada. So he needs to know uh, 
who's available and what they should do. So that kind of heartened me a lot. And so during the massage uh, on the roof of Prabhupada's uh, quarters there in Brindaban, uh, I put a question or my question to Prabhupada that I become very attached to doing your service. Is there a possibility that I could continue on? So uh, Prabhupada, he asked me a couple of questions. He said, what is your education? So I said, I went to a British grammar school. And he, then he asked me, um, what was it? Um, uh, sorry, I've just gone off track. Uh, anyway, uh, oh, yeah, he asked me um, uh, if I'd uh, learnt any new languages. And I said, no, I, you know, the only one that I know is English. So he was obviously thinking a little bit uh, about uh, the service that Gopal Krishna Maharaj was, uh, or Adi Kari at that time, was trying to persuade me to take up uh, in Calcutta. Uh, and I mentioned that to Prabhupada, that Gopal Krishna Maharaj, he wants me to go to Calcutta to be the G uh, temple president there. But actually, I'm, I don't feel I'm fit for that service because I've only, only just come to India a few months ago. So he said, all right, fetch him means Harry Cash. So Harry Cash came up. Uh, he had, when we were in Delhi, some doubts as to my suitability uh, for being uh, on his party, uh, on the party. And um, so he wasn't very favorable to, to the idea. I think he'd heard about uh, uh, some kind of... Um, uh, not exactly a fight, but anyway, there was some problem with, that I got into as the temple commander uh, when Prabhupada came to Brindaban for the f first time for Jan Mastami. And um, so I think Harry Kesh had heard it was some kind of an altercation, actually. <laughs> so uh, he was a bit doubtful about my being on the party. But anyway... I asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada called Harry Kesh up and he said, so he wants to stay with me as my servant. What do you think? So by this time, Harry Kesh and I had become good friends, actually. Uh, and so he gave me a glowing report, uh, recommendation. I think it'll be very good. He'll be able to, Harry, sorry, will be able to stay with you as your permanent servant. If Nitai comes back on the job, he'll stay for three months and then he'll want to go somewhere else. So um, he, um, Prabhupada heard this. So he said, all right, so you can stay. So that was it coming on to Prabhupada's party. And Prabhu, for the benefit of our viewers, uh, where they can find your books? Uh, my books, Transcendental Diary, which uh, I might be able to show you here. Um, all of my stock now is uh, here in Mayapur. Uh, I'm getting volume one, which is this book here. This begins in November 1975. It goes through till uh, April 18th, 1976. Uh, and uh, as I say, it's available in uh, Mayapur here. Uh, 
Are, are they available or, or as e-books? Uh, yes, uh, I have a. Um, let's see, where are they? <laughs> uh, you can get. I think you can download them from my website, lotusimprints.com. Okay, we'll put, it, just, uh, we'll put it as a as a banner so that the people will know that. Okay, thank you. There's five volumes so far. Uh, I have another two volumes to complete the series. Uh, it details every day uh, of being with Prabhupada from late November 75 through till mid-April 76. So um, it, I, what I tried to do is to paint a picture uh, in the reader's mind uh, what Prabhupada was doing on any particular day, who he was meeting, what he was saying on morning walks or discussions in his room, uh, like that. So I wanted to give or uh, somehow or another share the experience that we had as Prabhupada's servants and secretaries, and which you know regular devotees normally didn't know about or never had the chance, you know, to experience. So I always thought that in keeping a diary, uh, actually the diary itself um, started off as just being a few notes that I was keeping uh, for myself, actually for my own benefit, just so that in 10, 20 years time, uh, I would have something to, you know, refer to. I could read those notes and get inspired by them. As it turned out, when I became more permanently fixed on the party, I continued to keep the diary going every day. And then after a few months, I realized actually that it wasn't just a, my diary. It was a historical record uh, of what Prabhupada was doing and saying and traveling, et cetera, now, et cetera. Now, if I may ask you, uh, before becoming GBC, and I'm, I'm sorry if I emphasize this aspect of your service because series about this. So you see in March 1977 um, and Shri I assume personally requested you to for doing the service. Now you had uh, witnessed uh, for so many months uh, Shri Prabhupada dealing uh, with the GBCs, writing to them, dealing with uh, uh, face to face meeting with GBCs. So you were uh, outstandingly aware of the dynamics, but can you tell us how and, and maybe why uh, you became a GBC? Uh, okay, I'll try. <laughs> it's, I'll, I'll give the short version, I hope. Anyway, so yeah, I came onto the party. Uh, I stayed on for 16 months. Uh, and then in 1977, uh, we came back to Mayapur at that time, Prabhupada was very, very weak. Uh, he was uh, actually one morning, he told me when we were standing on the balcony of the Lotus building, he said that never in my life have I felt as weak as I do now. Uh, he said, still, he said, I'd like to see this Bhagavad Gita finished. And he also said, I've given you all the framework. Now you have to fill in the rest. So, he was becoming very much aware of the fact that he would not be able to travel uh, in the way that he had done for the previous 10 years. There's a stage 
of uh, uh, spiritual life called Nijanabhajan, which means where the spiritual master or acharya, he retires completely from the pre preaching work. He hands that responsibility over to his uh, advanced disciples uh, and he retires completely. So I had written in my diary in February of 77 uh, that I thought that this mood of Nijanabhajan was growing uh, and I became pretty sure that Prabhupada was going to change his leela now from preaching to retirement. Uh, and as it turned out, that's what happened. Uh, but anyway, so um, uh, for myself, I'd been nearly a year and a half on the party. I was well aware of the fact that several uh, of Prabhupada's previous secretaries uh, and servants had fallen down for various reasons, but mainly because they became too familiar uh, in their service with Prabhupada and started treating him like an ordinary man. Not exactly, but going that way. So I was aware of that and I didn't didn't want to make that mistake myself. So um, uh, Tamal Goswami arrived in mid-February uh, to be Prabhupada's secretary for the month. We were chatting just after he arrived and um, he told me that he had decided to pull out from all GBC uh, uh, duties. At that time, he was a GBC in uh, Northeast America, New York, Boston, etc., and the Radha Damodar Traveling Party. So somehow or another, he got it, this very strong intuition that he should now step out of that management, which he'd been doing for about eight years, and just stay with Srila Prabhupada as his permanent secretary. So that was his sentiment. Uh, and uh, he was going to ask Srila Prabhupada and the GBC to sanction that, which they did. So Tamal uh, Krishna Maharaj came on to the party uh, and um, I was going the other way. He was coming in. Uh, privately, I was feeling a bit strained uh, and I was, you know, anxious that I not fall into that other familiarity uh, that others had done. So one afternoon I went and after Prabhupada's lunch, I went to see him and I told him that I'm feeling a bit stale. Uh, I don't want to commit any offenses. As soon as I said that, he said, yes, very good. Uh, he was happy that I was aware enough of my own state of consciousness that I wanted to make sure that I didn't make any, you know, offenses. So he said, all right, that's okay. So where would you like to go? Uh, he, I said, well, I don't know, Shula Prabhupada. I hadn't really thought about it. Uh, he said, what about Hyderabad? Because we just come back up from Hyderabad in December. Uh, there's a big project there. Uh, he was sounding me out, but I personally wasn't very keen on being in Hyderabad. So I said, well, I'll do whatever you say, Prabhupada, but uh, I'm not really attracted to Hyderabad. He said, no, no, that's all right. He reassured me. He said, we shall think about it. So that was it. I made the uh, decision. 
it was out in the open now that I wanted to leave the party. Uh, and so I was thinking now what to do, where to go. Um, one thing that I was convinced of was that I should stay in India. I felt that if I left India and went somewhere else, the further away I am from Prabhupada's physical uh, situation, the less likely it is that I'll be able to come back. So I was kind of hoping I'd go out and do some preaching in India, maybe in Bombay with Giriraj or others. And after a couple of months getting refreshed, somehow or another, I might be able to come back onto the party. So that was my plan. <laughs> uh, and um, so I, I got Prabhupada's approval. But uh, what to do, that was the question. So I had a British passport at that time. Commonwealth citizens did not require visas for India. So I thought, if I'll remind Prabhupada of that, and he'll say for sure, yes, you must stay in India. So that was step one of my <laughs> plans. So um, the next morning I was massaging Prabhupada. He was sitting up in his bed. It was about six in the morning. Uh, because of his illness, uh, he had not been able to uh, follow his regular routine that he had done for so many years. Uh, we had about five or six different devotees, Yasamati Nandan, Nama Yogendra, uh, Bhakti Chiru came on the party. At that time, he was back to Kishore, like that. So there was a complete change in Prabhupada's activity and timing. So he had me come and give him a massage at six o'clock in the morning, uh, which was unusual. So I was sitting up on the bed, massaging him uh, with oil. And then he said, so have you thought about what, where you're going to go? So I said, well, um, I got a British passport. So I was waiting for him to say, yes, you, you must stay in India. But he didn't say anything. Actually, before that, when, uh, when I was giving them the massage, he told me, so go and find him, Tamal Krishna. So Tamal came in and Prabhupada, he was sitting on the floor. I was on the bed with Prabhupada. And uh, Prabhupada told Tamal, he said, so he wants to leave me. So he said, what should he do? So uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj, we were great friends, actually, because we were on the party together. Uh, he said, well, Prabhupada, I think that any temple in the world would be happy to have Hari Sori as, you know, one of the uh, uh, temple devotees. Um, so he, he didn't suggest anything, but he just kind of left it hanging. So then that was when I told Prabhupada, I reminded him, I've got a British passport, and uh, Prabhupada didn't react. I was hoping he would say, yes, you must stay, but he didn't. He just sat there thinking, <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is not looking good. Uh, so then I said, well, I could always go to Bombay and preach in the universities with Giriraj. So again, complete silence. Prabhupada's looking a little pensive. I was thinking, oh, this is definitely not going well. And uh, then uh, I finally, um, the, a few weeks, be, uh, a week beforehand, the GBCs had been in Mayapur and um, 
Balimardan was there and he had just been made the new assistant GBC or acting GBC for the South Seas. Uh, he had, of course, been the first devotee ever to go to Australia and open up the uh, first temple there in Sydney. And um, in mid-70s, he had some problems. He had been a sannyasi, but then he gave it up. He got married. Prabhupada personally performed the wedding ceremony of, you can imagine, his own, one of his sannyasis with this lady that wasn't even a, a devotee. Anyway, so um, Prabhupada, um, he was listening to my uh, petitions uh, and um, having failed with the passport ploy uh, and then with the Bombay preaching ploy, then somehow or another, I swear, it, it, it forced its way out of my mouth. I didn't want to say it, but I said, well, just like Bali Mardan offered me a ticket back to Australia if I ever, ever want to go and preach there. So as soon as I said the word Australia, Prabhupada sat straight up. He said, yes, Australia. I was just thinking the same thing myself. So he said, so we were... Me and Tamal burst out laughing. Just the way that it happened, Prabhupada just became instantly enlivened. So that was a somehow or another super soul had forced me to say these words, Australia. It just, I literally just forced its way out my mouth. Um, Prabhupada was obviously thinking the same thing. So I have to say that I think that my uh, getting that service uh, was directly. Prabhupada and Krishna together making the decision. Anyway, so that was it. So Prabhupada said, all right, get your things ready and go. But with Prabhupada, if you change his service, there's no question of kind of hanging out for a day or two, you know, uh, just relaxing and adjusting yourself before you go to your new, new service. It was okay. Now it's decided, go. In instant. <laughs> so that was it the next morning. And it was at that time that uh, Shri Prabhupada appointed you as GBC? Yes, just coming up. Don't be anxious. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so uh, the next day I gave Prabhupada my final massage. Uh, I got his footprints in oil on his letterhead, which are hanging on the wall behind me. Uh, and um, that was it. I was going to leave the next day. And so... Um, First, before going back to Australia, I had to go to Delhi to get my passport visa renewed. Uh, I needed a, a visa for re-entering Australia because originally I was British. So I had to go to uh, I had to go there for two weeks to Delhi to get that business done. Whilst I was there, I heard from Tamal Krishna Maharaj on the phone that Prabhupada, uh, who had stayed behind uh, in uh, Mayapur for the uh, for the period just straight after the Mayapur festival, all the devotees shifted to Brindaban, but Prabhupada stayed in Mayapur. So uh, whilst he was there, um, let's see, they had this um, pandal arranged in Bombay, and uh, there was no real hope that Prabhupada would be able to attend that because he was so sick. But then I got this message from Tamal saying that Prabhupada's going to Bombay for the Pandal. So that was it. I booked myself on the next flight down. Uh, 
but just before I left and when I arrived in uh, Bombay, then news came that there were problems in Australia. So apparently what had happened was that Balimardan Prabhu, he had gone back to Australia with the devotees who had been attending the festival. Uh, when we when they all got on the plane together and had a chance to talk together, they all found that they had some dissatisfaction with the way that Bali was uh, conducting himself in Australia. It's a long, that part of it's a long story. I won't include it here. But uh, what happened was that um, when they arrived back in Australia, they rang up the outgoing GBC who was uh, Guru Kripa Prabhu. Uh, and they told him, look, we're not happy with Bali Maidan. What should we do? So he told them, he said, tell him to pack his bags and go back to, uh, to uh, India. So they did. Uh, I think it's, it's the first time, in my, to my knowledge, that there'd been any kind of a revolt where the GBC was forced out uh, <laughs> and sent packing. But Balimard, that's exactly what happened to Balimardan. So two devotees had come from Australia whilst I was waiting to get my visa and reported to me what had happened. And so we flew down to Bombay for this pandal and I went to see Prabhupada and told him that evening what was going on with Balimardan. So then Prabhupada was kind of puzzled what, what should be done. And um, the next morning, Tamal Krishna Maharaj, uh, they were staying, Prabhupada was staying actually uh, on the other side of Bombay. It was about an hour's travel. So he suddenly appeared at the temple uh, the following morning. And he told me that he'd been speaking with Prabhupada. Prabhupada had told him, to come uh, and he had decided that uh, Bali Mardan may not go back to Australia and that I should go, uh, but that was it. So then Tamal went back to see Prabhupada. In the meantime, Prabhupada had a further consideration. He sent Tamal back again uh, and he said, Prabhupada said that actually Bali Mardan, he should just stay here in Bombay uh, and uh, he, um, let's see, he uh, suggest, he asked Tamal, who should be the GBC? So, because I was an unknown quantity, Prabhupada knew me, of course, as his servant, but managerially, I was a neophyte. I mean, I was always a neophyte, but managerially, uh, I had not had any track record of that. So Prabhupada was a little hesitant to just immediately make me the GBC. But what, so what they decided was that Bali Mardan should stay in India. Uh, he stayed in Bombay. Later on, he became the GBC in South India for a short while, and then he left the movement. But as for myself, uh, Prabhupada said, all right, you can go back there as my ad hoc representative. So you know that two-letter two word ad hoc means standing in place of. So Prabhupada gave me a letter. He said, you go back to Australia. You show them this letter that you are now my ad hoc representative. And you can send me reports and let me know what's going on. 
So he didn't immediately make me the GBC, but he gave me this. I'd never heard of anybody being made an ad hoc representative. Uh, it was something Prabhupada conjured up himself. But uh, I was happy to do whatever Prabhupada told me. There was, in, in the interim, um, there were four GBCs, Ridayananda, Panchatravida, Tamal Krishna, and Gopal Krishna, that were in Bombay when we got when they, they got the news that Balimardan had been more or less thrown out. So Prabhupada, we heard that he was on his way to Bombay to see Prabhupada. So Prabhupada said, all right, let him come first and then we'll talk with him and see what is to be done. So after a couple of days, Balimardan did in fact arrive and Prabhupada talked with him. Uh, and that was when the decision was made that he should remain there in Bombay. And um, the GBCs, the four GBCs, they had been told by Prabhupada to meet, discuss, and then make recommendations. So because I was so new, they wouldn't recommend me to be the GBC, but I could still go there and keep an eye on things. So that was where Prabhupada got the idea of an ad hoc representative. Not exactly a GBC, but I was to just simply observe what was happening in the temples. So that was it. Uh, the decision was made. And um, after a day or two, I got my visa and I flew in on the 1st of April as Prabhupada's ad hoc representative. Then after, uh, I guess, about a week or 10 days, I sent my first report uh, to Srila Prabhupada, a zonal report. Uh, in those days, every GBC was supposed to make a written report every month. So whilst I was traveling with Srila Prabhupada, I would give him his massage. Prabhupada would uh, ask for the mail and the secretary would come in with the uh, post, uh, open up the letters and Prabhupada would dictate his replies. So that way then, um, um, what was I going to say? Um, uh, you are mentioning about your report, your um, first report. Yes, thank you. You have to remind me like that. So um, I sent Prabhupada a report uh, about each uh, temple. Uh, I had heard many reports presented to Srila Prabhupada whilst I was traveling with him. So I knew how to make a nice report up what things Prabhupada would be looking for. So I sent that. And then Tamal Krishna Maharaj told me as soon as Prabhupada, as soon as I read your letter to Srila Prabhupada, he said, so Harry Sori can be GBC. So that was it. Um, I became the GBC. I held that position until about 1984, about seven years. Uh, and um, of course, then after that, I had my own issues to deal with. Uh, but um, that was the... Um, actual appointment it was a almost like a step by step but Prabhupada was pleased with the uh, report that I sent him and on the basis of that he made me the GBC mm -hmm. so that was April 1977 in yeah. the next month in May Prabhupada called all the GBC to Brindavan were you in that group or you stayed in Australia yeah I um I was out on Sankatan actually and uh I got uh, a telephone call uh, from the Sydney temple uh, that Prabhupada's 
gone to Brindarban uh, and all the GBCs have to go there for a meeting. So um, I immediately got the next plane out. I got the message a little late, actually. Uh, I arrived there on uh, about the 29th of May. They'd already had a couple of meetings. Uh, the immediate crisis that had led Prabhupada to rush back to Brindaban in May had subsided somewhat. He was still very ill, but now he was back in Brindaban and he, settled, he was settling up all any loose ends, if you like, before his departure. So um, some stuff about the BBT, some stuff about initiations. Uh, these were all questions that were put to Srila Prabhupada. Uh, I got there the day late, day later, but I was brought up to date by Tamal Krishna Maharaj what was happening. So I, w uh, I was there for about a week or a week and a half. Uh, many of the GBCs, after they'd attended that first emergency meeting, they went back to their zones. I felt that I'd spent so much money to fly into from Australia, I should at least spend a few days with Srila Prabhupada. So I did that. Whilst I was there, uh, I approached Tamal Krishna Maharaj uh, so that I could become the visiting GBC secretary for the month of October. So that was a system that Prabhupada had right from when he formed the GBC in 1970, that every month a different GBC uh, could come and travel with him for one month. They would get purified by his association and they would learn how to manage the movement. So from 1970 onwards, that was going on. Although when I was on the party in 76, Pushta Krishna Swami had been added to the party as the secretary, and the hope was that he would stay on as permanent secretary, and then other GBCs could come one at a time. Uh, so Prabhupada would have two GBCs with him wherever he traveled. Didn't quite work out that way, but that was the idea. Uh, Pushta Krishna himself had problems. He left the party uh, in uh, July of 76. Uh, and then um, there were various other uh, devotees that became uh, secretary for one month. So I booked myself in so that I could become the travel uh, visiting secretary for the month of October. So with that settled, then I went back to my zone. Uh, then at the end of uh, September, uh, I got my ticket. I flew to Bombay. Prabhupada had been there about a week or two after that last visit to London. Uh, and now he was in Bombay awaiting the op official opening of the Bombay temple at Juhu. So there was a lot of noise, dust, debris everywhere. Uh, it was not a very good situation for Prabhupada to be in. And uh, so I'd arrived on the 29th of September, uh, early in the morning. When I went into Prabhupada's room, I was really shocked to see how his body had dwindled. It was just literally skin and bone practically. Uh, and um, so I reported in. The first thing Prabhupada asked me was, how was your health? <laughs> Prabhupada's lying there, you know, literally skin and bone, and he's asking me how I am. Uh, and um, apart from that, he asked, uh, how are the book 
books going. So we just started buying Indian printed books and selling them in Australia. So I told him that was going very well. So he was very happy with that. But that was the whole exchange. How's your health? How are the books going out? So um, the same day, September 29, in the evening, Tamal Krishna Maharaj called in all the senior men. There was uh, myself, Brahmananda, uh, Kuladri Prabhu, Upendra Prabhu, Abhiram Prabhu, uh, Gopal Krishna, Giri Raj, uh, I think somebody else. So anyway, we all went into Prabhupada's room and then we were kind of stood in a semicircle, as I remember, around Prabhupada's bed. And Tamal Krishna Maharaj told us that Prabhupada would like us to, uh, to advise him whether to stay in Bombay till the opening uh, or go back to Brindaban. So one by one, Prabhupada had each of us say what we thought he should do. So when it came to my turn, because I'd just arrived, uh, I wasn't quite tuned into things at that point. So I said, well, is it for preaching or is it for health? So Prabhupada said, it's for preaching. Uh, sorry, it is for health. So then I immediately voted for going back to Brindaban. Actually, everybody voted that he should go back to Brindaban, uh, except Upendra, who didn't know what, what should be done, and Gopal Krishna Maharaj, who was anxious that if Prabhupada went back to Brindaban, then all the devotees are just going to pack up whatever they're doing, jump on the train, and go to Brindaban with him, because they knew what it meant. Uh, and that's actually what happened. Uh, anyway, so we made the vote. And then uh, later on, I met with Tamal Krishna Maharaj. I took the last flight out of Bombay uh, to Delhi. Uh, we had discussed all the different things that we would need in order to uh, keep Prabhupada very comfortably uh, in Brindaban. For instance, uh, the bed that he had, his back bedroom, if you've ever been there, is very small. So it wasn't, wasn't going to be suitable with many people coming in and out. So we made the decision to buy a much bigger bed, like a double bed, and put that in the main uh, darshan room in Prabhupada's quarters. So I went ahead the same night. I got the last plane out the next morning with the Sydney Temple, uh, sorry, uh, with the uh, New Delhi Temple president, uh, Bhagavad Shraya Prabhu. We went to see a friend of the temple in Delhi, he was a wood furnishings uh, manufacturer. He had one bed, one double bed. So we immediately bought that along with a double thick mattress and various other things, loaded them on a truck and sent them to Brindaban. So that double bed, of course, is the one that's still there. Uh, it costs 600 rupees uh, plus the mattress. We got it for cost. So we set things up. I rang Tamal Krishna Maharaj to let him know that we were ready. And then the next morning, Prabhupada arrived by train uh, to Mathura railway station. And we took him from there to his quarters uh, in Brindaban. Uh, I remember when we brought Prabhupada into his room, we laid him on the bed. Uh, there was a group of us all around. 
Uh, Prabhupada didn't say anything for about five minutes. Uh, and then he said, uh, this verse uh, from Ma Maharaj Kulasheka, Tvariya Pada Pankaja Panjarantam, he said, now I'm, uh, now I'm happy, now I'm relaxed, relieved. So that was it. That was the uh, last six weeks uh, that we spent with Srila Prabhupada in Vrindavan. That was the beginning of it. Um, during that uh, six weeks, I kept another diary. Uh, and Tamal Krishna Maharaj also was keeping a diary because I had insisted when he took, took over uh, in March, the previous March, uh, I had the day that I left to go on my new my new service, I went to see Tamal Krishna Maharaj and I told him, I've been keeping this diary ever since I first, the first day I traveled with Prabhupada. Now I'm going. So there's nobody else here. So you have to keep the diary up, your own diary, but keep it going. So initially he was reluctant. He said, no, he said, I have so many things to do. So I said, no, I insisted, you must do this, Maharaj. This is a historical record. So if you look at TKG's diary, you'll see, I think it begins around about the 10th or 12th of April. So he had gone from mid-March. I left on the 13th of April, uh, March. Uh, I left Mayapur. So there's no entry in Tamal's diary until about mid-April. Uh, I think... He'd gone for a few weeks and realized there were so many people that were coming and going uh, and um, nobody was able to keep, you know, track of it all. Uh, you couldn't be there every time Prabhupada spoke because you had service to be done. So uh, I think he realized if I don't write this down in diary form, it'll all be lost. Uh, so um, we made that arrangement again in October of 77. I was keeping a diary, Tamal was keeping a diary, and uh, maybe Bhakti Chiru might have kept something. Uh, but anyway, we were all there. And um, that diary I have now, uh, I'm just, I've just actually been fixing it up, and um, I'm getting the layout done uh, as we speak, and that should be out within about a month. So that's called Back to Brindaban. It's a separate diary from the uh, Transcendental Diary series that I just showed. Uh, so uh, my, my diary lasts from the beginning of October until the end of October. I wasn't there for the last two weeks. Um, I had things going on in Australia that were pressing. We were trying to buy a new building. And... Um, Actually, when we first arrived back in Brindaban, uh, I had been alone with Srila Prabhupada uh, just one evening. And uh, I, I was in a kind of a quandary, puzzlement, because I wanted to be there to help to look after Prabhupada. But I had my duties as GBC in Australasia, Australia, New Zealand, and Indonesia. So I wasn't sure what to do. So I asked Prabhupada, at least can I keep a small deity of you and every day I can do some puja. So Prabhupada said, that's not important. He said, I'm happy with what you're doing there. You stay there for some time. So um, I asked him, 
you know, could I come back sometimes? Prabhupada said, that we'll see. So that was it. That settled my heart that I've been given this service by Prabhupada. He regarded that as being important for me, of course. Uh, and he was happy to see me leave to go back as the GBC and continue with the preaching there. So I was there uh, in Brindaban until the end of October. And then, of course, Prabhupada left us two weeks later uh, in November. I flew back again as soon as I heard what had happened. I attended Prabhupada's um, uh, Tirubhav Utsav, uh, going away festival. Uh, and then we went to um, Mayapur, uh, and a group of us laid the flowers from Prabhupada's Samadhi in a box in the ground where Prabhupada's Samadhi is now in Mayapur. So that was the Pushpa Samadhi. So that was on Prabhupada's instruction that these two Samadhis should be built. So um, that was that's it in brief. <laughs> There's a lot more that could be said. But if anybody has any questions, I'll be happy yeah. to... Uh, yeah, so far there were no questions. Uh, now, I do have a, a few questions. Now, uh, thank you so much for all these details. Uh, most devotees, of course, don't know all this... Uh, background information now i would like to fast forward a little bit to the first uh, gbc meeting after shira proper left it was mm -hmm. uh, march march uh, 1978 uh, and uh, i would like to show a photo from that meeting a group photo ananta shish prabhu you could put, kindly put the yeah, this is a group photo. As you can see, you are first on the right. Uh, um, I, believe, I believe you are a brahmachari there. Uh, um, actually, no, I was wearing white at oh, that point. I okay. I, I took sannyas, supposedly, uh, in 1980. So this was a year before that. Uh, so I was actually, I've got a white culture on there, you can see. Okay. This picture, I remember this picture, but I haven't seen it for about 30, 40 years. <laughs> now, what I wanted to bring up is this. This is a group photo of all the GBCs. And, uh, so, yeah. yeah. And uh, if we go to the next photo, it's the same place, uh, apparently same day in front of the long building. And there is a photo just with the initiating spiritual masters, which later right. on, were colloquially known uh, uh, in his comparlance as the zonal acharyas. Hmm? Yes. Now, yeah. we, in the last couple of episodes, uh, we have been uh, talking first with Ridhananda Maharaj, then with uh, Gopal Bhatta Prabhu, Panchalanda Prabhu, how it was uh, ISKCON uh, in those days. Now, you are in a special position because you are GBC, GBC member, at the same time, you were not an initiating guru. So we would like to know, again, from the historical, cultural perspective, how was it serving as a GBC member, but not being a, a guru, both in the GBC meetings and in the zone? What was your experience? 
How many volumes do you want on this one? <laughs> well, I mean, we are already at the 52 minute marks. We can go on, but I don't know how much time you want to well, do okay. the event. I, for me, because of you know the relationship, close relationship that I developed with Shula Prabhupada by traveling with him and every day massaging him, etc. I, I had a very firm sense of who I was uh, and what I was supposed to be doing. I've been directly taught that by Shula Prabhupada uh, and I just stuck with that. Uh, at the same time, uh, new devotees were coming. ISKCON was still booming at that time uh, and they had to be initiated. And I was not on the list of 11. Uh, 11. Um, so I was not you know, one one of the devotees who became an initiating guru. So what to do? I had three big countries, a lot of devotees that I had to oversee, uh, the development of the Atra in the South Seas. So I, because of my relationship with Tamal Krishna Maharaj, um, you know, we developed that again uh, around our close proximity to Srila Prabhupada. Uh, he had been the visiting secretary in January 76. And again, in 77, as I've related, he became Prabhupada's personal secretary. So uh, I thought, now that Prabhupada is no longer here, initiations he had already told us should continue on. But now his disciples would be the gurus uh, and the pe people that were being initiated. Uh, you know, they would be the disciples of those one of those eleven, so um, I thought Tamal Krishna Maharaj, because we had such a nice relationship, uh, would be the right man to invite to come to, you know, my zone, uh, and uh, give initiations there. So he agreed, uh, and he came to the Australian zone, South Sea zone. I think in February of 78. So this was just before the first GBC meeting without Prabhupada. Uh, and um, I'd taken Tamal on a tour of the my zone. Um, there were one or two things that happened. Uh, we had a crazy boy that tried to smash the deities whilst Tamal Krishna Maharaj was giving the Sunday feast lecture. Um, Another devotee was coming down some stairs in New Zealand. He had a bowl of hot dal, which he was going to give to Tamal Krishna Maharaj. Maharaj was coming up the stairs. This boy was coming down. He tripped. The whole bowl of hot dal went on his head. So uh, it was kind of uh, a bit strained. So when we got to, when we finally made it round to uh, attending the GBC meeting uh, in 78, uh, he had decided that maybe the Australians were a little bit too rough <laughs> for his liking. So he approached Bhavananda Maharaj uh, because he was a, uh, on that 11, list of 11, but he was not a GBC at that time. Uh, he approached Bhavananda and said, look, they want me to come to uh, New, uh, Australia and New Zealand, uh, but I've got plenty of engagement myself in america so why don't you go there so they discussed it 
then they called me in and they said, we've decided Bhavananda Maharaj should come to Australia rather than Tamil. So I said, okay, I don't mind. Uh, I had a good opinion of the two of them. They also were friends. So I thought, okay, let's, you know, bring him in as the guru. Uh, a couple of, a few months later, he did in fact fly into Sydney. Uh, and um, we had a lot of preaching going on. Uh, he was a charismatic person. Uh, devotees liked him in, uh, immediately. Uh, he knew how to, um, he knew the art of how to deal with people so that they would, would be satisfied. So the temple presidents in my zone were all happy. They developed their own individual relationships with him as the, you know, uh, presiding guru or the only guru, if you like. Uh, and, um, you know, the preaching boomed. Uh, we, I think by 1984, we probably had about 300 devotees living in the temples. Whereas when I first went there, one of the first things that I did as the new GVC in Australia was have a census so that I could figure out how many people we got, you know, ladies, gentlemen, whatever. I think that at that time there were about 95 devotees living in the temple. After three or four years uh, with preaching with Bhavananda, we'd also matured quite considerably uh, with the responsibilities that we had. So uh, we boomed. So we had, in one sense, at that time, uh, we had very few of the problems that were beginning to de be developed in America and other places. Um, we had, you know, a good scene going on, as they say. Uh, and uh, being down under, we were a little away from what was going on in other places. Everything we heard was secondhand information. So, uh, but, you know, we were happy. Uh, I was content to be, in one sense, I was the GBC and I was directing the preaching along with the temple presidents. Uh, and Bhavananda would remain as the guru. And he was very careful not to get involved uh, in any of the um, managerial issues. He allowed us to deal with that. He was happy to come in, uh, tour, preach, uh, uh, like that. So it was, for, for us, it, we didn't really uh, have any complaints. There was a lot of apprehension at the beginning how it would work out. Uh, but a lot of that was assuaged by us all having you know, good relationships with each other. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, we are almost at the one-hour mark. Of course, as you hinted uh, at, uh, we could go on and on and on. Um, <laughs> and it would be very interesting to ask you your observation, how, uh, how was it, how it was to be a GBC at that time? How do you see being a GBC now? The differences at the same time, of course, uh, it's up to you. You like to go on for some time more. Uh, somehow there a are few no minutes. Okay, so there are no uh, uh, comments or uh, questions from the public. So I invite every, anybody who is online right now, if you have a specific question to Hari Sori Prabhu, of course on the GBC history, nature, culture, or sequence of events. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, but so far there are no uh, questions. Um, 
any other highlights from that period or any other learnings that you like to share for present and future GBCs? Um, I'm sure there are. There's a lot. There's quite a few things, but um, um, <clears throat> on the whole, I can say that um, the uh, group that we had there in the South Seas were very good. Uh, there was a lot of good men, temple presidents. Uh, they took up the responsibility uh, very nicely. Uh, I enjoyed being a second in command. Uh, I was in charge of the overseeing, you know, the um, preaching activities and management. Uh, and I was happy, I was content to let Babananda be the figure, not exactly the figurehead, uh, but, you know, to be the, uh, the guy that everybody ultimately saw uh, as the leader there. Uh, it was a good arrangement. We were happy with it. And um, of course, when things started breaking up, uh, a lot of stuff fell apart. That's regrettable. Uh, but one thing I will say is that we had this sense, uh, as soon as the troubles began, which was around about 1980, on even before that, 79, with uh, Jayatirtha and Hansaduta, uh, you know, starting to do crazy things. Um, then we had to start dealing with things that we'd never experienced before. As uh, now, I'm sorry to, to ask, but most people don't know about those crazy things. You'd like to give us a little bit of insight what, what those crazy things were. Well, in, Just... in my opinion, the first mistake that we made was that in 1978, at the first GBC meeting uh, after Prabhupada's disappearance, uh, we were a bit unsure about certain procedures to, fo to be followed as gurus so we thought we might be able to get some advice from Prabhupada's god brothers and Prabhupada had previously mentioned that if we need advice then we could go and see uh his god brother sridhar maharaj or we could go and see narayan maharaj and they would give us advice uh, but actually uh, it was advice about how to perform the samadhi ceremony i remember this but when we were at the meetings in 78 the thing about the ceremonies samadhi ceremony was left out and we were told or the rest of the gbcs were told that Prabhupada said we could consult with his god brothers sridhar maharaj or narayan maharaj that was actually a twist on the truth and i asked him krishna maharaj later on why didn't you correct uh, this misunderstanding that we could go to the Gaudiamat God Brothers for advice, general advice about how to conduct our uh, preaching with these new acharyas? And he said, well, I just wanted to hear what they had to say. I thought it might help. So I didn't say everything. I just said, you know, that we could go, Prabhupada said we could go. But actually the reason there was a specific reason for going to the God Brothers that Prabhupada gave us, and that was how to conduct the um, Samadhi ceremonies. So that in the course of that discussion that we had with Sridhar Maharaj at his mutt, 
he had come to know that Prabhupada had left 11 men uh, stated who they were on this sheet. So he said, if you want my opinion, I think that you should just all elect one single Acharya uh, and let him do the initiations and everybody else go out on his behalf. So naturally, we immediately rejected that. We knew that that was not what Prabhupada wanted. Uh, we had a GBC. So again, Sridhar Maharaj said, I don't know how you'll manage that. The Acharya is the one who's in charge. Uh, your GBC uh, body, uh, how will they conduct themselves? How can they, uh, if the GBC body is the ultimate authority, uh, managing authority in ISKCON, then how can you have non-Acharyas in charge of Acharyas? These 11 are Acharyas. All right, you might not want 11. I mean, you might want to consider whether you should just have one or 11, but how can the GBC, um, you know, um, what's the word? How can, how can they dictate to the Acharyas? So as a result of that meeting, I think this is still in the GBC minutes, an Acharya board was formed, or it became known as the Acharya board. The GBC board, uh, like myself, who were not initiating, we were still involved with all the other aspects of preaching and making decisions in that way. But in terms of who would initiate and how would they would conduct their affairs as Acharyas, the GBC body as a whole was not consulted. Uh, they were deliberately shunted to the sidelines in order to allow this idea that the Acharya cannot be dictated to by the non-Acharya. So that's the way it went for a couple of years. That now, caused... we have a question on that, and specifically on that, I'll show the question from Nitai Gaurdas. Uh, would be good uh, to hear your understanding of how the appointment of 11 Ritviks who were giving initiation on behalf of Shri Prabhupada turned into the appointment of 11 Diksha Gurus. Uh, that's complicated. Um, how 11... Well, the yes, because Prabhupada had said that after his disappearance... And he's, he would name some people. Uh, this was in May, I think. He said, I'll name some of you uh, to become guru, regular guru. I'll be the grandfather guru. You'll be the guru. Uh, so like that, there was uh, an understanding uh, that as soon as Prabhupada left, these 11 will be fully activated as gurus. Prabhupada had already you know, without sending that letter out and retiring from giving initiations himself, uh, he, in making these 11 people Ritviks, uh, was handing over to them all the functions of a guru and initiations, uh, except one, that whoever they initiated whilst Prabhupada was on the planet would still be Prabhupada's disciples. Uh, now, if you read it carefully, and I'm not sure that people will agree with this, but the fact is, is that Prabhupada didn't want to give initiations anymore because it meant taking the karma of the new initiates. So when he handed over the responsibilities of being a charya to these 11 persons, Ritviks to start with, uh, 
it was to be understood that the acceptance of new devotees would go on and their karma which would have gone to Prabhupada was now going to these 11 men whoever initiated them otherwise what would be the point in having 11 Ritviks who were you know empowered to do all the works of an Acharya there would be no advantage from Prabhupada's point of view the advantage for Prabhupada was that they would take on all the responsibility including accepting the karma and he would allow them to do that without being involved in it himself. Now, in October of 1977, uh, this gentleman arrived. Uh, what was his name? Uh, one Bengali man, he had been, uh, I just forget his name now. He had been uh, a member of the Gaudiya Map for some time, and then he'd gone to America in the early 60s. So he had heard in 77 that Prabhupada was about to leave the planet. So he flew from New, uh, from New York to uh, Delhi and then came to Vrindavan to get initiated by Srila Prabhupada before he left the planet. But Prabhupada's response was that I have named these 11. Jai Pataka is one of them. So let him go to Mayapur with Jai Pataka and he can be initiated. And then he said, in this condition, I may not be pressed to do any myself. Later in the future, we'll see. So Prabhupada made a very distinct statement there that giving initiation, the transference of the bad karma, if you like, or the karma, uh, he didn't want that on himself. So those 11, when they gave initiations in Prabhupada's presence, although technically they were still Prabhupada's disciples, the acceptance of the karma was on their heads. And it's very clear from that conversation. Uh, Thank you. Now, there is another question on this general topic. You see it on the screen. This is from Ramanath Sukha Prabhu. Was there ever a discussion on the GBC what the distinction was between a Diksha Guru and an Acharya? I, I understand the question being, uh, was it a synonymous, Diksha Guru, initiating spiritual master, Acharya, or how was the theological, philosophical understanding within the GBC? Well, of course, I dropped off the GBC in 1984. So I don't, after that, I have no idea what they decided and what they discussed. I know that when I was a GBC, um, we had these new acharyas, they were giving initiation. So Shiksha really didn't come into it officially. You know, we had the initiating Diksha Gurus uh, and that was it. I, I don't remember or recall that maybe we did have some discussions about uh, Shiksha Gurus, but we had no idea how to implement such a system. You know, there was a fear, I think. There was this zonal acharya fear that anybody that wanted to take initiation uh, from a guru, um, they had to go to that guru's zone and serve there. So we had like 11 different areas. And if you didn't live in that area, then you couldn't be initiated by that you know, local guru. Or you had to surrender to the local guru, uh, even if you didn't think very much of him. 
So um, it was a very awkward situation. Um, the Shiksha Guru thing, I think there was a fear that if you had official Shiksha Gurus, that would diminish the influence of the uh, presiding um, 11 Ritvik Gurus. So it was, a, to me at least anyway, it was a puzzle how those two things could exist together in tandem. And I'm not sure that even now in uh, 2021 that we've got that one sorted out. I know that there's literature available. You can read up about it. But in practice, how it goes on, I have no idea. Thank you. Thank you so much, Prabhu. Any, any final recollection or insight or recommendations for the future you'd like to share? Um, well, one experience. Years ago, when Gopal Bhatta Prabhu and others decided to form this, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, GBC Strategic Planning Team? Strategic Planning Team. I remember there was some newsletter that came out about the formation of that. And when I, when I read it, I thought, oh, here we go again, more talk, a bunch of guys getting together and just simply talk, 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 but no action. That was, you know, in the mid eighties or early nineties, sorry. Uh, so. Oh, so then sorry, you're not, you're not talking about the GBC strategic planning team, which came only later in 2007 so you're talking well, about maybe i forget the year i can't remember i know that there was a, a letter that went out we're going to form this group and try and figure out how to improve the preaching that was my general impression of it so oh, uh, perhaps perhaps you're talking about the early 90s when the gbc formed different Kshetra committees. You're talking about that uh, attempt at strategic. Well, planning. that was a yeah. I guess that was a step forward. Anyway, there was an attempt to reorganize. Let's put it that way. Uh, and I, I was just very skeptical. I just thought this is just going to be more talk. Nothing's going to get resolved. Uh, no improvement. But then a few years later, the GBC were having it meet, its meeting in Bombay. And the strategic planning committee, I believe, uh, were organizing it or facilitating it. Uh, and I was shocked to see how the GBCs were sitting very quietly, listening to the speakers, seriously taking up assignments, you know, for various aspects of the movement. I'd never seen that before. Uh, I told Gopal Bhatta Prabhu a story about. And when I was a GBC, this was probably like 78, 79, or even 1980. In those days, one way of earning money for the temples was these candle factories. They would make these fancy candles, different sizes and shapes and designs. And in Australia, we were making some candles to look like little animals, like a figurine. So we had one of a dog. But it became, it's, I guess the wax didn't, you know, it melted a little bit or whatever. Anyway, it was a pretty scruffy looking wax dog. So we brought that to the GBC meeting. And whenever anybody got out of line and started yelling and shouting, which happened every year practically, at least one person would 
get angry, jump up and stomp out of the room. Harry Cash one year jumped out one of the windows. Um, not high. <laughs> Just he stepped out from through one of the windows because he didn't agree with something somebody else had said. Keaton and Ander walked out on the group at one point. We had to plead with him to come back. So those early days in the GBC were very unruly. So I, I brought to the meetings this wax dog and anybody that got out of line and started yelling and shouting, I'd bring the, <laughs> uh, bring the wax dog uh, and, and give this person the mad dog award. So um, that was in the early days of the uh, GBC, totally different from what it is now, thank God. But, you know, we were all new. We were all inexperienced. We were very passionate. There was a sense among some people that, you know, as acharyas or um, uh, what to say, um, yeah, Diksha gurus, that they had absolute control over their own disciples, even if their disciples were living in somebody else's zone, et cetera, et cetera. So it took a long time for us to get settled down and civilized. We were young, we were naive, uh, we were arrogant. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, uh, not exactly enmity going on, but uh, not full respect. And you didn't always get a proper hearing. So when I saw the strategic planning business going on, it had been running for a few years when I first saw it, I was actually shocked at how peaceful, gentlemanly, uh, cooperatively, everybody was working. So I was very happy about that personally. Um, and it seems that it's going on nicely at this point, and I hope it will continue because it's the only way that we can bring about this revolution, spiritual revolution in the world is we have to learn how to live with each other uh, if we want to teach other people how to live with themselves. So if we don't set it by example, then it won't work. So anyway, I think it's a good endeavor. Uh, and I would encourage every devotee to cooperate together. There's one principle that's higher uh, than, uh, than any other, uh, and that's cooperation. If you can't cooperate, uh, I mean, that's what wrecked the Gaudium Act, non-cooperation. So we should be very keen to see that no matter what stand you happen to be taking, as far as, you know, some spiritual arrangement or another, whether you're for it or against it. Ultimately, don't fight. Cooperate together. Even if you're losing a bit of ground, let's say, on some of your proposals, don't fight. Yeah, remain peaceful. And you're sure to get Lord Chaitanya's mercy. Prabhupada told the Radha Damodar party they had come to Mayapur in 76 when all the fighting was going on between the um, uh, Radha party brahmacharis and sannyasis and the Grihastha temple presidents so Prabhupada met with the brahmacharis in the afternoon I think of Gopornima and he stressed this point cooperation is the highest principle of spiritual life he said we are not the Kirtan movement we are the Sankirtan movement that means all working together so I think that we should keep this idea of uh, cooperation and Sankirtan, uh, and we're bound to be successful. 
Hare Krishna. Thank you so very much, Hari Sori Prabhu, for sharing your memories as a GBC and especially for sharing this uh, very, very important instruction to all of us. So on behalf of the GBC strategic planning team, uh, we thank uh, Hari Sori Prabhu. We thank uh, all the devotees who had attended live, those who commented, those who asked questions. Of course, the majority of viewers generally are uh, for the recorded version of this talk. Mm -hmm. We thank uh, very much uh, Ananta Shesh Prabhu for his uh, technical support. So this was episode five with Hari Sori Prabhu. Please stay tuned. Actually, tomorrow itself, we have uh, another GBC who was uh, a colleague of Hari Sori Prabhu basically at the same time as uh, Balavanta Prabhu. We'll have Balavanta <laughs> Prabhu tomorrow. Very good. <laughs> so we have tomorrow uh, another interview. If we if we want to, oh, I see. The, these conversations are going on your um, website. These will be available both on our Facebook page, GBC SPT, and also in our YouTube channel, GBC SPT. So this is mm -hmm. the fifth episode. The first four are already available, and tomorrow we do plan to have the sixth and. Hopefully, many more. Good. Right. Thank so you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. Chilla Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jai. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.